The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. I'm Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer by trade, but my passion lies in teaching you how you can use negotiation and persuasion to get more of what you want and how to make the difficult conversations in your life easier. Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to give a couple of listener shout-outs. I'd like to give a shout-out to Shelly from Pittsburgh and Bridget from Chicago. Thank you both for reaching out. You know I love hearing from all of you, so if you haven't yet, please connect with me on LinkedIn. There's a clickable link in the episode description that takes you straight to my LinkedIn page. So just connect and I'll shoot you a message. I really want to hear what kinds of topics interest you, and LinkedIn is the easiest way for me to connect with you. And for those of you who are looking for the free negotiation guides from previous episodes, like the Negotiation Prep Guide, the Introvert Negotiation Guide, or the Salary Negotiation Guide, or the Car Negotiation Guide, those links are all in the description as well. Today we're talking to Donald Kelly, also known as the Sales Evangelist. Donald is a sales expert that educates sales professionals around the country. He's also the host of the top podcast, The Sales Evangelist. So in this episode, we talk about the importance of understanding your unique value proposition, how to use questions strategically to allow your prospects to persuade themselves, and he lets us in on his unique sales process. What I really love about this process is that he makes it actionable to all of you. So it's something that you can learn today and implement tomorrow. He also inspired a brand new freebie. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash sales, you can get access to that one. And of course, that link is now conveniently located in the episode description as well. So I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Well, thanks for joining us today, Donald. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show today, man. I appreciate it, Kwame. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, how about we get us started by giving a little 30-second introduction of yourself? Well, here we go. So my name is Donald Kelly. I'm the host of a podcast called The Sales Evangelist Podcast, where I educate and teach sales professionals and entrepreneurs how to improve their sales hustle. A lot of people are in the business, and a lot of people just don't like selling. My goal is to educate and inspire people to know the fundamentals of selling. A philosophy that I have is that anyone can sell if they have a desire to sell. We can train you and help you get on the right path. I'm a speaker as well. I offer keynote speaking as well as around sales and motivation. And I love, love, love spending time with my family here and not only running my own podcast and training people, but also giving back to my community with my church. So that's a little bit more about me, man. That's awesome, man. And you know, what's cool is that I, I, I hear the passion in your voice when you, when you get started <laughs> on this. So this is going to be a good episode. I'm, I'm pumped about this. Awesome, man. So um, a lot of the people in our audience, we're about 50-50, split between entrepreneurs and people who are in-career professionals. So I think it's kind of obvious why entrepreneurs need to sell, but because that's how you survive. <laughs> you make money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, for people who are in-career professionals, how do you think the sales skills that you can teach us would apply? Let's go back a little bit. I was in that same shoe as those in-career sales professionals. I worked in many different industries. I've done stuff from the Dish Network, where I've sold that stuff over the phone. That's fun. Then, <laughs> not really. It's hard. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, 
I've done waitering, which is a, definitely a form of selling where you're upselling and you're generating business opportunities. And one of the top one in the, in the restaurants I worked in. The other things that I've done, I've done timeshare presentation. I was like the appointment setter, getting people to go to a timeshare presentation. I've done IT training classes. I've done door-to-door security systems. And I have done manage IT where we sold technical IT services, where we took over IT departments for companies. And I sold EHR or I attempted to. And then I also sold a little bit in the nursing home industry, x-ray services. And finally, I did software. So a wide range of stuff. And a lot of it took place in the tech space. A lot of them were, some of them were products, some of them were services. So I've been there. I know exactly those challenges. And that's the reason why I started a podcast, because I know that people have to sell. But sometimes, especially, you know, when we get lured into sales, people tell us it's a great career, which it definitely is. And we come in expecting to make tons of money right away and we don't make it. We get disappointed. My goal was to help those people as well to improve their sales hustle. So the things that I would share today definitely will benefit company sellers or people who are in career right now, as well as those who are selling for themselves. Very nice. So how would you describe your typical approach to sales? The best way I could describe it, I spoke with a gentleman early this morning as well. And the thing that I would share with him, I share with you, it's all about building value. We've all heard Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the idea of ABC always be closing. Well, that stuff doesn't work. It may have worked for one time. It may work in some industry, but typically those are the guys that we all shy away from. It's the sleazy sales that we don't want to mess with. I like the idea of value base, right? I like to be able to bring value to the table. When I define sales, I define it very simple. The simplest way I can share is that when you try to help others persuade themselves to get something, a product or service that's going to be in their best interest for which they will compensate you for your efforts. So your job becomes this educator of value. For instance, if I am a a doctor, say a chiropractor, and I know the benefit of healthy adjustments can do for individuals, especially those with lower back pain, and to be able to have a better way of life and function, it's my obligation to be able to educate someone about that service that they may not have known about of how it can help them to have more peace and not wake up with pain or to go to work with pain. It becomes that moral obligation for me to dispel, to share value and educate people that they can make decisions. You want your clients to make a decision for themselves as opposed to them feeling that you trick them into doing something. One of my first episodes was with Jeffrey Gittimer and Jeffrey said, people like to buy, but they sure hate to be sold. No one in their right mind would say, I want to get sold something today. It's like, no, people want to go and buy something. If anyone tell you I got sold a car, they're disappointed, they're frustrated, they're angry. They want to return that car because they got sold, quote unquote, bamboozled, tricked into getting it, hoodwinked. If people say I bought a car to feel more in control and our job as sellers is to educate people that they feel in control, that they take that initiative and say, I did this that I bought this car and they'll go around and tell other people more about you. So that's my approach is to really, really go forward and express value, share value and give value back in return. And we have, can give value in so many different ways. And we could talk about that as well. Yeah, this is really great. And uh, one of the things that you said that I really enjoyed was when you're selling, you're helping other people persuade themselves. And for those longtime listeners out there, you know, I love that because that's something that I always say with negotiation. So in your sales approach, how do you get them to feel as though they made the decision themselves? The best way to do this is to go back to, you know, 
2,000, 3,000 years ago. Am I getting my numbers right? I don't know. Going back a while back to the Greeks. <laughs> and yeah. you want to go to the idea of, you know, like Socrates, where you utilize questions to help others to make a decision for themselves. Like, for instance, if I was to ask a prospect a particular question about something that I know that they're having trouble with. I was working with a client the other day that about um, he sells to libraries, believe it or not, and libraries, you know, they need to be sold to. But one of the things that we talked about was what are some of the things that matter most to libraries? What are some of the key metrics they look at? Maybe that's the demographics of individuals that are the checkout rate or, and, and, you know, what's what demographics they have coming into the library and utilizing the library. If I was to then share something like to the library and say, you know, one of the things I realized from our studies is that many libraries are having a trouble with the age group 25 and under to increase their checkout rate. What are some of the things you guys are doing right now to help with that demographic? And they might say, uh, we've thought about it and we did a little barbecue you know, but if I was to ask appropriate questions that was to hit on that, maybe share with them something that they don't know already. Well, I can say well, I'm working with Farmfield Library, and one of the things that they did was they implemented an electronic program for tablets. They've seen a 20% increase in the checkout rates for that demographics. If something like that was implemented in your library, do you think that could be an effect? And, you know, by asking questions, they might say, yeah, would you consider checking something like that out or learning a little bit more about that? And I was like, sure, if Farmfield is doing it, I'd love to check it out as well. I just give a simple example here and just, I'm just going along. But the concept that I'm getting at with you, Kwame, is that when you ask questions, people can be led down a path and they can feel that they're making a decision that's going to benefit them because they're going to be the one that drive it. They're going to be the one that, that say yes. Again, it's not like any trick or a hoodwink, but when you ask questions, one of the best way to teach people is by proposing things to them. And when they feel that they are learning and they feel that I gained this knowledge, as opposed to me telling them, you need to get this. Other libraries have this. You, you should get this. It's going to help you. We have so many different ways, cool tricks, cool widgets. It doesn't work. Telling isn't selling. It's when you ask and you listen, that's when you truly sell because you allow your prospect to then answer and to make decision that's going to move themselves along to a buying decision that's we know it's in their best interest and that they come to realize it's in their best interest as well. Hmm. Okay, so with this approach, how do you prepare? What does the typical preparation process look like for you? Best thing I would say right now is go back to what I talked about at the top of the episode is when we, I, mean, I think I mentioned it, I'm, this concept of, uh, maybe it wasn't on this one, but uh, I talk so much about sales all day, man. <laughs> but maybe let's just focus on the idea of getting your dream 100 customers. A guy named Chet Holmes wrote a book called The Ultimate Selling Machine, and you know, late Chet Holmes, he passed away several years ago now. But one of the things he spoke about was getting a dream list. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, 
I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. This is something that now everyone and their mom is jumping on with account-based marketing or account-based selling, which is basically when the sales and marketing team work together to go after strategic accounts, specific accounts. So, for instance, may I, I might say that I go after, if it's a dentist, let's just throw a random example out there. I don't sell to dentists, but there's to say if I sold to dentists, I would say, what are the ideal dentists that I go after? Well, is it going to be a dentist or is it going to be a orthodontist? Well, let's say specifically the dentist, a dental practice that's making about, you know, three million or more per year. Those are the type that I want to go after. So I know who they are. I know their income level. I may know this number of employees. I may also look at the challenges. What are the top five challenges facing dentists? And I could find this out maybe from studying literature in the industry, or if I can find one of the ideal customers in that. Maybe I don't have a customer yet. Or if you do have a customer, if you're working, you're a career sales rep, you work in an industry, interview one of your current customers. Find someone that you can sit down, you could talk to and just interview and learn some of the challenges that they have. Offer them free lunch, go into the practice and take some time to just learn from the foot soldiers or the the practice manager. What are some of the main difficulties they're facing in that industry? If it's someone else, it's another client, do the similar thing. Or if you don't have any clients right now, you're an entrepreneur, you're stuck and you're starting off. Find someone that you can interview, an ideal customer that you want to go after and take some time, give them value. And then learn from them. You might be able to learn those key challenges that they have. Now that I have those key challenges and I've done my research, I understand those three challenges. It's going to be the same challenges across the board with all of those companies. So if I found a dream list of 100 dentists throughout the southeastern part of the United States that are making $3 million or more, their challenges are pretty much going to be the same if one of them have those challenges. So I know the top five challenges, what I will do then is start creating a series of questions. You you might ask the, you know, the Toyota five whys. So now that I have those five main issues, I might ask Toyota's five whys and say, why is this a problem? And then why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? And now that I know some of those answers, I might, you know, this is stuff that I'm doing on my own practice. I can then utilize that on the conversation as I call into the the prospect. I can then take those five whys and frame them into questions that could be thought-provoking questions for my ideal customer. And that usually may lead to an opportunity. If I can share with them something they do not know already, it may lead to an opportunity to get an appointment. And that's what I want. Whenever I call into a prospect for the first time and try to get into you know communication with them, my goal is to get to the point where I can get an appointment. And once I get that appointment, I can have that great greater discussion with them and to help them to recognize value 
And then as a natural byproduct from that, I typically see great results with them converting into bigger deals and uh, more opportunities for my business. Am I making sense with that, Kwame? Absolutely. I'm here writing down feverishly everything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good stuff. And you know what? I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to make a freebie, essentially just based on this outline that you've given us. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash sales, you can get this freebie. Have I made this freebie yet? Nope. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making this up based entirely on what you say in this podcast. So this is this is really great information. I'm going to I'm definitely going to use this myself. Wow. So do you typically use this kind of systemic approach when you're working with your clients to help them with their sales processes and your personal sales process? Dude, yes. If you come into my office right now, whiteboards, whiteboards all around. If it's not whiteboards, it's, it's a white it's flip pads <laughs> that you, you write on. But whatever you call it, flip charts, I write on those as well. I have them sticky on the wall. I love it because I love processes. If you can identify process, you can. if you look in nature, sorry to get all uh, you know tree hugger here and stuff, but <laughs> if you look at nature, nature has cycles or has patterns. We have typically four seasons. In Florida, we have one season and it's hot. In Michigan, when I lived there, there was two. There was construction and winter. <laughs> so, you know, but but everywhere there's a pattern, right? There, there are these cycles. There are these things that, that come around that, that you can watch, you know, birds and life cycle or, or anything. So if nature has this, if there's natural laws with this, if there's natural laws within the solar system, um, and you, 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 within the galaxies, you know, the cosmos, you see these things then why not have those same things that apply to our businesses? What are some of the patterns or processes that we can implement? If you can have a pattern or process for everything in your business, I'm telling you, you're going to save yourself some headaches and you're going to see amazing results. Successful things come from patterns. You're going to see that. Horrible things come also from patterns, patterns that are not identified or not understood. You know, for mankind, we know when there's in Florida, we know when there's a hurricane because we follow certain patterns and we prepare for that. If we did not, then we'll be screwed, especially in South Florida. The same thing applies with our business and with our prospecting. So with my clients, I sit down with them because you can't wing it and be successful. If you're winging it and being successful, you're just like, it's like getting, you know, getting winning a lottery. It's just like a look. And I don't believe in luck selling. I believe in very systematic approach selling. I believe that when we put processes in place, we can see results. And this is why I say anyone can sell because I discovered this. <laughs> it's not like it was something that I can't, uh, I didn't discover the, the science behind it. I just saw it. I'm just like, duh, if anyone can do these several things, bro, they can sell and they can make money. And I'm no genius or Einstein. I've been able to make some money in sales, pretty decent money. And it came not because of my, you know, you know, by just my MIT studies, which I didn't go to MIT. It's just because <laughs> I recognize simple patterns that I'm able to follow and to uh, I was able to learn from my sales trainers. And that helped me to become successful in selling. So definitely with my clients, definitely in my own industry and in my own business, I, I follow processes. This is so cool. And this is a lot of what I'm trying to do with negotiation, kind of demystify the process and systematize it as much as possible to make it practical and actionable for the listeners. And I really admire what you've been able to do here, because for me, um, I've had a bit of a barrier when it came to sales. I'm like, oh, I'm a negotiator. I don't do sales. How do I do sales? And the funny thing was, in the, sorry to cut you off there, you're not the only one who say, say that. I said the same thing, too, and different things. Like, you know, for my congregation, believe it or not, I am the bishop over the congregation in our church. That's the pastor. So I'm the father of a congregation of 100 and 
you know, 50 attendees. And, you know, we have a lot more on our list who are just not active and a participant in the church. But in that role, you're still a salesperson. You're still a seller because you have to sell quote unquote, the gospel to these people to change their lives. Right. Mm. And I'm like thinking, oh, I'm not, this is not sales. I'm not going to you know do sales in this. But whenever sales is, if you look at sales in this sense, it's when you present value to people that's going to give them something that's going to benefit their life. If you think of sales like that, then you don't have to say sales. We can throw the word sales out the window. I'm providing value to people that's going to change their life. You can do that as a doctor. You can do that as a pharmacist. You can do that as a lawyer. You can do that as a consultant. You can do that as a construction worker. Any of these situations where you are expressing value to help people to make a decision, bro, that's selling. But just take the sales out and it's now providing value. This is so good. <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> to keep up with my notes here. But this is this is really great stuff. And I think that will help a lot of the listeners when it comes to um, minimizing the barriers, the cognitive, self-imposed mental barriers that we have when it comes to um, selling. And um, one of the things you mentioned earlier, way earlier in the interview, is that you want to sell without seeming sleazy. And uh, I will tell you, there was a, a little bit of a visceral response when you told me you sold timeshares. Because I remember <laughs> back <laughs> last year when I was in the Bahamas uh, with my wife, we, uh, we were approached by this gentleman and he's like, hey, do you want to go to a free rum party? And I'm like, yeah, we want to go to a free, <laughs> free rum party. Let's go. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and they had, of course, there was rum there, but there was also an hour and a half long presentation on timeshares. And we were just, we felt like we were being held hostage. And so for somebody who is, uh, who wants to sell, but doesn't want to feel sleazy, what, what advice do you have for them um, when they are going through this process? Dude, uh, first of all, it was early in my career, man. So I was a guy who was, we were getting people Kohl's gift cards and Best Buy gift cards. And I don't work for this company and it's long gone. So I gave people <laughs> the opportunity to get out of those things. So I gave I gave my my prospects as they went to these timeshare presentations because the sharks were relentless, bro. When when those closers were there, you're, you know how they were in those timeshare meetings. Oh, they yeah. have an answer to everything. So what I used to tell people, and you probably could still apply this. I'm not sure if it still works now, but we would get them, you know, they would go to the gift, go to these training meetings. And I would say, you can get a $50 gift cards to Home Depot or to Best Buy, wherever it was for that day. And I would say, don't tell them you can't afford it. No, they'll figure out a way for you to make you afford it. But <laughs> just tell them, this is great, but it's not something we're willing to do at this time. Nope, it's not something we're willing to do at this time. Yes, I understand. And if you you say something like that, you know, they realize, oh, well, it's not my not one of the ones that I they're not a fit for us. And they'll go after somebody who say, yeah, I like it, but I can't afford it. <laughs> so wait, so wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me you were working for this company and you were essentially giving these people shark repellent before they went to swim with the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dude, that was in college, man. <laughs> That's crazy. I was hustling. Uh, that was uh, funny. You know, some people want me, you know, they went and they purchased because they really wanted stuff and in some families like that. So it wasn't, I, I didn't say in that industry, it's not something that I, I, I love, but I learned a lot from, you know, getting those uh, appointments and, and finding the finding people and, and in, incentivizing folks to, you know, take advantage of an opportunity that, you know, I wanted to get them for their best results. I mean, the company was going to give those gift cards away anyways, but <laughs> give it to some, give it to people who really want it. So it was fun. But uh, the, going back to the thing that you you know, I'm getting myself distracted. <laughs> but uh, you're talking about, you know, not being sleazy in that, uh, that sales process. Right? Mm -hmm. The question you'd ask, mm -hmm. you know, how can you still if I if I, I hope I'm getting about right, but I, I one of the things I feel is, 
and the whole concept of not being sleazy is when you are, uh, in, you know, you're selling and you're truly, you know, providing value to people. It doesn't come across as it won't will not come across as sleazy. Here's one way to change that mindset. You know, the I love this, this statement of the moral obligation. If I have a solution to a problem, it's my moral obligation to tell people about that. Right. So if I know how to eliminate uh, childhood obesity, oh, my goodness, that is my duty it's my mission to go out and tell the world about that. How would it benefit anyone with childhood obesity if I sat back and said, well, this is cool, but I'm just going to wait back here till people come and ask me about it. Like, oh, heck no, man, I'm going to get on Oprah. I'm going to find somewhere to get out there and, you know, find some kind of show to get on, get out there to the world. I'm going to write articles. I'm going to write blog posts. I'm going to tell the world about this solution to this problem that people face. Will I get naysayers and haters? Yes. But who gives a darn? I know that I'm helping people, the people who are fit for what I have to do. And it's the same thing with the products and services. I think the problem comes in. A lot of people don't have the passion or desire for what they're selling, right? People don't have that dream to say, I can solve people's problem. They don't have that belief. So they have that limited mindset. So they don't do it. They may be trying to get people to go to a timeshare presentation and don't believe in the timeshare. <laughs> so they, you know, they, they may be sabotaging themselves. But if you think about it in the sense that if it's something that I truly believe in, if it's something that I see the worth in, it's something I see the value in, then I'm telling you, no one is going to see that as sleazy. You're not going to see it as sleazy. You're going to see it as I'm helping people. You don't want to be the jerk. You want to share what you have to share and allow people to make decisions for themselves. But you don't want to be a jerk in that process. You don't want to come across as condescending or cocky. It's That's why a question-based approach is so helpful because you can ask appropriate questions that help people to understand you can ask those thought-provoking questions, help them to understand, get them to think. Your job is to provoke them. And when you do stuff like this, when you share this value with them, in this, uh, you, when you're going out with a moral obligation expressing this, people are going to, again, they're going to see it, they're going to respect you, and they're going to recognize your, your education. Whether they're fit right now or not a fit right now, they might dismiss themselves and say, you know, I appreciate it, but it's not something I would want to do at this point. I like my McDonald's fries. I'll learn about this in my teenage years. <laughs> then, you know, then so be it. Then maybe they see you as a resource as you go later on down the road. A lot of times, though, our sleaziness, quote unquote, quote, sleaziness. It's really our head trash. We say that we're sleazy when in actuality, people don't see us as sleazy. The sleazy is those people that do try to get people into those multi-level marketing and trick people and lie to them. That stuff is sleazy and nobody, no one wants that, man. That's so interesting. And it, and essentially what you're suggesting is just a, it's a shift in mindset. So instead of going into this, uh, this sales process, focusing on yourself and manipulating people into uh, something that you don't believe has much value in order to retain some kind of pecuniary benefit yourself, you change it to, I have something of value. It is my duty to help people by giving this thing of value. And and just changing that mindset, I'm sure, helps you personally, of course, but also helps you in when it comes to your, your time to perform. Oh, yeah, dude, it does. It does in remarkable ways. And one of the things too, man, Kwame, when you are able to get your first customer when you get one person or even if it's not one not paying customer somebody you gave free services to and they just absolutely love what you did and they saw a change you document the heck out of that you write that down you get a case study because there's going to provide two things it's going to provide one confidence that other people can see in you that you've helped other people and two the most important part it gives you confidence to know that it works that i help someone I'm sure probably the first time you got out of law school, you're like, oh, man, I have to put this stuff in play. 
I know it theoretically, but once you did that first case and someone you, you know, someone who won or you, you helped them, you know, accomplish something or a business with their, you know, legal issue, you're like, holy crap, I did this. I can do it. This stuff works. That's the same thing with our businesses, with our ideas, when those ideas transform into reality. It's when we see the vision, see the works of it. That's where the power and the awe comes in place and a confident building for your prospects as well as for yourself. I love this. We can talk forever on this, but (laughs) I'll keep moving. Um, So can you share with us a few of your favorite sales techniques? Yeah, man. We kind of gave a hit up on some of them already because I love to talk about principles. Principles typically are, you know, some of the best things that you can do to help people. But here's what I would share. Go back to one of the biggest challenges that salespeople have is prospecting. One of the techniques that I like to do, I mentioned the idea of leading with value, right? So if you have business or if you do not have business, um, if you don't have any clients right now, you're brand new, you're starting off, or if you're working for a company where you have some clients, what I would share is find a way that you can give value. Is there something that I know about my industry that I serve that people do not know? Is there something that, I don't know, say I'm selling stuff to restaurants. Is there something that I know about the restaurant industry or some kind of change that is affecting a lot of restaurants? Because restaurants sometimes don't talk to each other, right? Is there something that I can see a pattern and then I can share that a solution to that problem to help them? Maybe it's regarding um, digital menus. Is there something I can share that can help them to have a cool way of getting free, uh, cheaper digital menus with different uh, tablets? I'm making stuff up as we go right now. (laughs) But the point is, if I can then share that value in the form of education to that restaurant manager, the restaurant owner, um, that chain owner, then they might find that of value and they might then they start to trust me. The next thing might be they open a door for an opportunity for me to offer my product or my service to them. And then once I can get them as a customer, whether they are purchasing customer or they're, you know, someone that I did service for and, you know, they love what I did and it helped them. One way I can grow my business tremendously, especially in prospecting side, is I can ask for a referral, any other maybe restaurants that they may know of, which may be a challenge. But the other thing that I can do is ask them who are their top vendors? What are the top vendors they work with? They buy products and services from. Once they tell me about those vendors, if it's the top three vendors that they love, say it's like the ones who we buy food from, the other ones that we buy paper products from, the other one who you know comes and does our cleaning, you find these three vendors. What is the likelihood of these vendors servicing other restaurants just like that one? It's very, very likely. And this applies in any industry. We tend to focus on who our prospects know that can help us, you know, to get more clients like them. If you're selling copiers, the same thing. Find out from the client who are their top three vendors, the ones they love the most. Those are the ones you need to get connected with because these vendors have another bigger pool of ideal customers. They may be servicing another 150 customers that you don't have. You guys are complimentary companies and you can help each other out. So you can help them to, you know, take advantage of some of your customers. You can introduce some, some of your customers. They can introduce some of their customers. It's a simple thing, but you'll be amazed how many people don't take advantage of asking their clients who are their top vendors and can they get an introduction to them? That's a strategy that I use on prospecting. And then the other strategy I would share as far as building relationship with your clients You know, people that you don't know if you're a cold prospect, not necessarily clients, but uh, cold prospects that you're trying to get access to, 
Think of unique things that you can send in the physical mail. I'm talking about the USPS. You know, if you're in the United States or you know whatever postal service you have in Canada or in any other part of the world, whatever postal service you have, send something in a post. Like I like to send a ball. I learned this from my good buddy Jared Easley. He's one of the founders of Podcast Movement, uh, one of the world's largest podcasts and conference. But one of the things that Jared did was he literally sent a physical bouncy ball, the two ninety nine balls at Walmart you can buy the big ones and wrote on it and sent it to some of the key people he wants to make contact with. If you do something like this, it makes such a big impact because people are like, first, it's unusual for them to get something in a mail, first of all. And then the second thing is to get something as unusual as a ball in the mail, not in a box, just with a permanent marker with the addresses written on it. And it provides a great conversational opener when I call in now, because now I'm not a random guy. I'm the guy who sent the ball. It's a great strategy. So those two things can help you to gener- definitely with your prospecting. And then as far as with the, you know, building relationship and, you know, with the deal, the strategies that I would share is just to have a process. You know what the conversation is going to be about and use your calendar invi- invitation, use your calendar inbox. That helps so much. So again, if I was to, I got somebody, they, we set an appointment. The first thing I'm going to do is that is a fitness meeting, right? To see if we are fit for each other, truly a fit. I know they're the ideal customer, but is there a true fit? Is there a true way that I can help them? And the things that I would do to gauge that is if they have buying capabilities, uh, power, if they have that true challenge that we can solve, and if they're willing to change, they have a good time frame. And if they have money, you know, so if they have some of those things, then it makes it great for me to then pursue to the next part where I, you know, we isolate the challenge and I sh- educate them in that visit, maybe ask some key questions because I know some of those questions to ask based on my preparation with the five whys and uh, the key challenges. And then they might, it's going to say, we give them a pattern. I show them next thing I want to talk about is the funding and your time frame. Is this something that you're willing to do in 2017? What month, what year, you know, what time, blah, blah, blah. And then what I want to do is demonstrate the solutions because I know they have the money. I talk about that like a big boy or a big girl um, instead of just like waiting for the very end, talk about that. And then one second I've talked, spoken about it and we brought it up. Next thing, I want to demonstrate that solution to them. So that may be my third meeting with them. And then after the demonstration meeting is to wrap up in the close. So I typically like to ask them after I've done all the homework up front, I've expressed tons of value and I've you know demonstrated our you know capabilities and know they have the money and we agreed on you know, moving forward. I just simply ask, what would you like to do next? And they might say, well, we need to go ahead and get this signed off and get going. And then I put dates on it. Okay, let's go ahead and do this, take care of this, and let's start the implementation this particular day and this particular time, and we'll start doing a training here. That is a simple little process. I know I went a little bit long on that, but I hope you guys, it made sense and that you know you guys were able to enjoy and grasp something from that. No, that was really good. And this really helps me as I make this freebie <laughs> for this episode. Um <laughs> And one of the questions that you ask that I think is really interesting, especially from the perspective of the subsequent negotiation that could happen at the end of this, is do they have the money? So what kind of questions are you asking to get them to divulge that kind of information? Because obviously that's that can be sensitive. So how do you approach that conversation? I would ask you back, is it? You know, hmm. if you think about it from this side, if I'm going to invite a salesperson into my company, that is, I, I know they're a salesperson. They're selling something. I'm going to have to pay for something. You know what I mean? So right. it, it doesn't become that of a sensitive. It's, if it's if I wasn't a salesperson, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out. I, I come in as the, the janitor 
And then, you know, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> then I start to say, you know, try to find out how much money they have. Like it's written on my forehead at this point when I come in, I'm going to sell you something or, you know, I'm going to present something for you to buy um, is, is what they see as a salesperson. So, or, you know, the, the idea there is to not let our mindset hold us back. It's probably the best way of going back to look at it again. It's not letting the things that we think is going to be an issue to hold us back because usually it's not an issue with our prospect. It's just us that are the ones that, that have that, um, those challenges. So either way, though, one of the things I would share to do so is to let them know your path, let them know your process. So I might say something like, you know, with most of the clients that we work with, what we typically do in we see to be successful in this industry is we like to find out if we're fit. If we're fit, what we typically like to do is to move forward to a, you know, I demonstrate, find out more about the challenges and, and how we've helped others and to talk about how we can fix the challenge. I then want to find out your time frame and when are you looking to execute? Um, some people are ready to purchase now. Some people are ready to purchase in six months. And I want to find out what is your investment goal? Because some people who purchase our service, they like to get the lower end stuff or they would like to go ahead and get the full solution. You know, the other thing that I would do after that is demonstrate the capabilities. And then finally, one of the things I would like to do is then we like to obviously follow a successful onboarding process, which includes some uh, another team member that will help out with this as well. But when you guys buy, what are your processes? How do you guys go about purchasing? What do you have to do to get stuff done? Well, you get glad you brought up the price. We have to talk about that. We have to make sure the budget approval. We have to get it to um, our department head. And I want to make sure in this process that my will or what I'm trying to do align with what they are trying to do. My selling process aligns with their buying process. And when I can do that, we both can agree on it. They know I'm going to talk about price at XYZ time. And then as I talk about that price in that meeting, I will tell them, you know, next week, uh, our next meeting, what I want to do is sit down deeper and talk about the investment, um, talk about the, the next steps. So they know the next meeting we're going to come to, they need to bring whoever they need to bring to the table. And we need to bring whatever I need to bring so that I can help them understand the price. And then the other thing you can do is to just, if you really want to get a, a good frame, you can give them a, a, what I call the, like a ballpark range. You might say, well, I want to know how much this costs. You can say, well, typically our services, people usually spend anywhere from 5000 to 17000 um, just depending, or you might lower it down to 5000 to a $10,000 range. What were you guys looking at for an investment? Well, we're hoping to find something in a $7,000 range, so I'm glad we're on the same, kind of the same path. Now I know what they're you know, looking at. Make it mm. sense there? No, absolutely. And this this is starting to get into, into my world towards the negotiation side, uh, which obviously I like. <laughs> so in this, uh, when that conversation does come up, when when you are talking about the price and you give them that range, what does the back and forth look like to you? For you, is it a situation where it's like either you can match this price or not, or do you approach this conversation with some flexibility? I do. I approach with flexibility, um, especially with my services that I offer with sales training. I mean, I have some latitude because one, I'm the uh, I'm the the one that signs off and approves everything here at the company. Um, and two, I know the range of stuff that I can give. I'm not going to you know give something way below and lose out on my business, especially right now where my business is in a in a good stage. I don't need to. Get, I know where my value is worth, so no more do I have to prove anything in that sense. So somebody want to say they want to get sales coaching, my sales coaching package started off at $1,500, right? 
But have I done something for someone that was not necessarily exactly 1500? Yeah, I gave some give and I get. So if somebody was, you know, there's another way that I can give to them, they can give back to me. I just didn't give everything away for free. Like Donald, I love that, but I can't do that right now. Well, great. Why don't we just go ahead and we can cover two sessions and we can break that down to where, you know, we'll cover what the two session rates would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you might say, well, you know, is it okay if we were to do $1,300? I'm like, okay, it's not going to break the bank for me. But I would say, sure, I want to help this person. However, this is what I would ask. I would love for you to get a video testimonial from you and also a case study. <laughs> so now yes. I get a full video testimonial from them and a case study. I know they're going to see results, but I gave and then in return, I get something as well. So those those negotiations worked out, especially with the sales training side of the house. That that anywhere could be, you know, depending on the services that people have to offer, you know, the, what they're looking for, especially small businesses. Some of my training could be anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars, respectfully, depending on the number of employees um, and the what they're looking for. I'm flexible again with them because either way, if I give there's another employee that sneaks into the training, then you know, big whoop, who cares? Somebody else got more information, but I can still negotiate um, with that price range that that helps me to get my best and helps them. It takes care of my costs as well as make sure I made profit, and also if I gain anything else on top, then it's great. But I I don't go below my I guess my point of no return. Right. Yeah, no, I love this. And one thing I want to highlight for the listeners, too, is the fact that you are not just giving unilateral concessions. So if somebody asks for a discount and it's still in your range, you don't just give it to them for free. You say, okay, that's something I can do. But in return, I expect X, Y, Z. And the beauty of that is that you're you're trading value. And because it's something that they can give away for free if they are cost sensitive, that is something that they can give as value to you to make up for the discount that you gave them. Yes, yes. Because it puts the value on that particular thing. It doesn't, it shows it's not just like nothing is free. It just makes it that there's a cost to everything. And if you want me to come and do something for nothing, it, it's not going to work. That's not fair because they wouldn't do it themselves in their business. So why should I do that? And it devalues what I have to offer. You know, my sales training, it's, uh, I'm not going to just totally give all my stuff away because I know what it is. It, it's not going to work for them. Then I'm going to step away and say, well, it doesn't sound like it's a fit for what we're going to do. And you got to be willing to say no and walk away. And people respect you for that. And sometimes they'll come back to you and say, well, dang, this guy knows this stuff. Let me go back to him. Right. (laughs) I'll I'll go figure out that extra $300 so I can pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Okay. Yeah. This is going on for a while. See, this is what happens when we talk. (laughs) It just (laughs) goes on forever. So I guess we'll, we'll go to the last question now. So what, what is one thing that our listeners can do to be more persuasive or be better salespeople? Oh man, the best thing I can share to be a better salesperson when you think, act, understand, and live as your ideal customer. And what I mean by that, it allows you to have empathy. When I can have true empathy for someone, when I know where they're coming from, then I can truly, truly be of value to them. Stephen Covey says it best when he coined the term, seek first to understand than to be understood. Oftentimes, as sales reps, we're one-sided, where we have to close this business because our company, you know, depends on it. Our, our quota, the, the boss is pushing us to, you know, we get got to get the spiff done. So we're going to do all we can to get this. That's one-sided. No one is thinking about the prospect in that situation. But if you were to stop, collaborate, and listen to your prospect, find out what they truly want, what are their true needs, 
and give that to them, think like them, it will provide amazing results because your whole demeanor start to change when you start putting on their shoes, when you start to think as if they do, when you seek first to understand them and where they're coming from, as opposed to pushing your own agenda. When that happens, it transforms salespeople. And if there's one thing they could walk away with, it's that, to gain that empathy, seek first to understand, then to be understood, which comes from understanding and knowing your dream ideal customer. This is awesome. This is really good information. And so how can our uh, listeners keep in touch with you and get more of this from you? Well, one of the things I mentioned was about that, you know, knowing the vendors, going after the vendors. I have a video training, which I did. It was a three-part video training and it included three main different principles, how you can double the amount of referrals you're getting. And folks can get access to it by going to the salesevangelist.com slash then Kwame. If they were to do that, they'll get access to it. So the salesevangelist.com slash the word Kwame, your name, K-W-A-M-E, and they'll get access to download, put their email address in, download that uh, three-part video training series, and they can see some of those things elaborated upon how they can double the amount of referrals that they get. So hope that helps them. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I'll put that link in the description as well. So thank you again. This was really great. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to come out here and to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you find this information helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. My goal is to teach these skills to as many people as possible, and leaving a review helps our search results, which helps us to reach more people. Remember, success and failure is determined by how we handle these critical conversations in our lives. My job is to make these difficult conversations easier while getting more of what you want in the process. I've had the opportunity to provide these negotiation and mediation services to a wide variety of professionals, including lawyers, entrepreneurs, and warring business partners. I do this through a simple three-step process, situational analysis, strategy creation, and plan implementation. First, we analyze the situation to get a lay of the land and understand exactly what we're dealing with. Then we use the information from our analysis to create a customized strategy for your situation. And then we work with you to put these powerful strategies into action so you can close the deal or resolve the conflict. If you don't prepare properly, you run the risk of missing out on these critical opportunities. Remember, negotiation is the art of deal discovery, not deal making. I will help you to find the best deal possible, and I'll teach you how and when to walk away from a deal that's bad for you. Sometimes the worst outcome in a negotiation is a deal that never should have been made. When we work together, you'll know that you've put yourself in the best position for success. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email if there's a specific problem or opportunity you'd like to work through. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great week, and I'll catch you in the next one.